Hey, I'm Danny Heifetz, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Me, Danny Kelly, and Craig Horlbeck are coming to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday before this NFL season so you can crush your draft and win your league, or at least make sure you don't come in last place and have to do your league's punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Thursday night from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Sphere, Kevin Berno. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to uh, just watch the Dallas Cowboys defeat the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football, and... I will tell you, Kevin, I texted everybody in my group text. I said, do you want me to tell you what's about to happen here? I've lived this my entire life when Mike McCarthy gives the ball back to Seattle with a minute 47 left to go up six after <laughs> he throws the ball to the end zone on third down for whatever reason, I'll never know, instead of running the ball and running all the clock off. I, I don't want to get into it. It, it Look, Fair enough. It, you guys won the game. You won the game. It doesn't feel like it. You want to get- <laughs> <laughs> You're what nine and three now? The guy, the guy, he drives me crazy, Kevin. Absolutely you're, crazy. You're nine and three. Yeah, you're in great position for the wild card. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I'm I mean, you're a couple games behind the Eagles. Obviously, Eagles are amazing this year. You're in good shape. You're I want it. Shape. I, I want at some point it to be infant level game management. I mean, we are not even at infant level. We're at fetus level. That's always management. been the thing with Mike McCarthy. It drives me crazy. Been. And uh, so yeah. I, it doesn't even feel like a win. I can't even celebrate. Thank God for Micah Parsons. That's what I'll say. All right. Yeah. Bunch of stuff in the NBA took place tonight. We'll run through just a couple of things of note. Um, the Pistons fielded uh, easily. This is like the Monty Williams Mona Lisa tonight that I posted on Twitter. I, I, I thought it was a joke when I saw... Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Livers, Jalen Duran, and Isaiah Stewart. I'm like, there's no way 
Killian no with 23, way. baby. And this Cade, is... for the first time, he listened to our pod. He shot over 50% from the field. First time all year. <laughs> This is making a mockery of things. They ended up, look, they played, I guess, the Knicks closer than maybe was expected when I saw their starting lineup. But that went on. Lakers got thumped by the Thunder. Um, you know, a schedule loss in some ways because they, they it's a, your two best players are older, even though they performed 31 and 21 for our, uh, LeBron and AD. It's just they're running out there with Russell, Christie, Prince, they got a bunch of guys that are injured. No Reddish, no Hachimura, no Jackson Hayes, no Vanderbilt, no Gabe Vincent. And, you know, he's only he, he's playing eight. Austin Reeves, who's been a huge disappointment this year, uh, especially after better, the summer. Better, better lately. He had a really bad start. Better lately. But more than anything, I thought that game was about, like, the Thunder offense. I, like, just Lakers had no answers at all. Lakers yeah. defense has a lot of weak spots, a lot of holes, and the and the Thunder just have so many different guys that can exploit any weaknesses yeah. that you have, whether it's Chad or Jalen Williams or like never mind SGA. Like they just have a lot of guys. Isaiah Joe as a sharpshooter. Thunder have so many options. Like I think they are continuing to prove that they aren't just a nice story to start the season, that they are indeed a team that come deadline time could potentially make a move to add even more. Uh, that they should be one of those teams that considers it, despite being young. Do you say that because they have 75 draft picks over the course of the next 10 drafts? That's exactly why. Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And some sure. tradable young players, too. I mean, even like a guy like Kendrick Williams, who's been out of the Thunder rotation for the most part this season, he's a pretty good role player that could help a lot of teams. <laughs> every, every, every once in a while, when you're watching one of their games, they will post their like their war chest and it's, oh, yeah. it's absurd. It is absurd. It really the collection is. of picks that they have over the course of the next five to 10 years. It's outrageous. So yes, they certainly have the assets to be able to get things done if they want to uh, improve that team. And yeah, they're great. They're great. Hornets. Uh, they got a win, which is only worth mentioning because, you know, we, we, we lamented LaMelo being out, but a little turn back the clock, scary Terry, Kevin, mm-hmm. 37, 13 assists, 13 for 25, uh, seven for nine from three. It's nice to see Terry Rozier have a night. Oh, Terry. You know, I love that announcer <laughs> so much. Oh, Terry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Bulls beat the Bucks in overtime. Not much to say about it. And then uh, I think well, the big... Uh, well, late, later, later we'll talk Bucks a little bit. And then the big performance that stands out is your guy Sohan. The Hawks can make stars mm-hmm. of anyone. Yep. And they did it again. And I went back and watched all of the shots. I mean, it's almost all off ball. And, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that have thought that Man, Joe, Jeremy Sohan has an opportunity to be an unbelievable off-ball player. I don't know why they're wasting their time with him running an offense, but that's neither here nor there. He was great, and you know what? You know who he reminds me of when he's at his best is kind of like that Sean Marion type of guy. Yeah, that's that's who he's gonna become. That's like what they want him to be. Yeah, but they but they also want him to develop his playmaking. I would have never put Sean Marion at point guard either, though. So. Yeah, he has more he has more playmaking skill than Marion. Like they want him to be their Draymond, their Sean Marion, like something like that. Like some type of 
do-it-all, versatile piece who can do different things for your offense. And by the way, like he had, he had some some plays on ball. Um, some Very of them cute. were like, some of them were like he'd bring the ball up and you know throw it into Collins or whoever, and then cut past off them. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah every, but, almost but, but everything like, was off ball. But, he, but like it's, it's like he's initiating the offense and then he's cutting afterwards. He's like within the flow. He had his career high tonight, uh, 33, and man. Uh, but then, of course, at the Trey end, had a couple of 45. bad. Yeah, he had, and he had a couple of bad errors and had the charge at the very end mm-hmm. uh, after he had gotten the steal. So, anyways, that's some of the stuff that went on. The most important thing that has happened since we last spoke is that we've got this in-season tournament set now. Um, so... All the games went down the other night trying to keep up with, I told you, I was I was done trying to keep up with the spreadsheet as it was all playing out. Uh, you know, you've got the Celtics hack-a-shacking uh, Andre Drummond up by <laughs> like 30 points and uh, Joe Missoula like walking down and explaining to Billy Donovan like, hey, I'm not a dick. I, you know, like these are, these are kind of the rules and here's why we're doing this and whatever. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I would have just been like, dude, you're a dick. Come on. Like, my team stinks. We're getting beat by a thousand. Can you please stop making me watch Andre Drummond play his shoot free throws? And one of the things I was left with, and again, I'm not smart enough to figure all of this stuff out and I'm sure there are always logistical challenges, but we've gotten this far. And everybody's excited about the in-season tournament and seeing this all play out is, you know, so many times people, and, and, and I've gotten a lot of this because we've got a lot of listeners from overseas as well. And so they hit me with the, oh, well, people do this in soccer all the time. Why are you so stupid that you can't figure this out? Blah, blah, blah. Well, he, and, and here's what I, <laughs> it, it, they jarred my memory as to the soccer that I watch the most is the World Cup when it comes around. And the thing I like about the World Cup is they do play in these like pods, right? As it were. And then you've got your pods w- with the teams and and the goal differential does matter in that. But then they're playing a game. So like, let's say United States and Germany are in the same thing, right? And so now, uh, you know, United States and Germany were the two best performing in the pod. And now they play a knockout game in order to get to the next round. And so that's what I want. I want that. I want there to be the two best performing teams in these, and then there be a knockout game. Like those two teams then play against each other. And then there's, so I'm not having to deal with, like the point differential gets you to that point, right? We're, we're just like the goal differential gets you to that point in the World Cup. And, and surely we can figure this out because I'm for more of the, you know, NCAA tournament type, you know, win and you're in type of thing. And I think this would be an easy thing to pull off. We're playing out the pods the same way and the point differential does matter in the same way. But then when we extract the two best performers from that pod, now they're playing a knockout game and that's how you advance. That's the only thing, honestly. Like, that's all I thought about that last night because I was like, man, this could be better. Just how you get there. And making that easier to figure out how you get there than trying to figure out the point differential and who's playing when and everything as we're playing it out. But it's the first go round. This is all yeah. going to be tweaked. And I think, I think to your point, um, 
one thing that the NBA should think about along the same lines is how do you, in, in, ter- in terms of the same lines of how do you make it more understandable to a fan who's a casual, right? Yeah. So, you know, someone who's just, you know, vaguely paying attention, not hardcore NBA fan who's one of our amazing Spotify wrapped listeners, <laughs> like somebody like that. Appreciate seeing all those on social media the last couple of days. Everybody who's listening to the podcast, thank you. Um, but like besides the hardcore people who love the NBA, how do you make it more digestible? I think one of the ways to do it is also just like block out the three weeks of the schedule. Say mm-hmm. these are the three weeks that every game is a tournament game. Every game is a tournament game. And like that makes it simple that that's the block of the season where it all counts towards the tournament instead of just Tuesdays and Fridays yeah. where those are the only tournament days. And then it's like kind of a little bit confusing sometimes um, for people, I'm sure. So I would prefer to see that next season where it is kind of um, a, a big, clearer aside aside from the courts and the jerseys being different and some of the graphics on screen. And this has worked for a first go-round for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be super cool for it to be out in Vegas next week. And it, like what we know about anything that takes place, it starts off small and then it expands, right? If it works, it gets bigger. Yep. What's really going to count is next week because that's the knockout round. Like we get the, the the home games on Monday and Tuesday. On Monday we have Celtics at Pacers, Pelicans at Kings, on Tuesday Knicks at Bucks, Suns at Lakers. So those games are going to be I would hope high intensity and then you get the Vegas games. The knockout round as I think where things could get very very interesting. I was texting and did some calls this week with people around the league like, "Hey, do you think like minutes are going to change for these guys and Mixed opinions so far. Like a lot of people don't think that the teams are going to treat it as any more than like a big regular season game in terms of rotations and minutes. But then you have others that you talk to around the league who are like, yeah, I think you'll see coaches trimmed to like an eight man playoff rotation and starters will play more. So it's very split with the people I've talked to around the league. But the one thing that is on my mind with some of those teams playing next week, though, is you look at all of them up and down the line all of them really have something to prove. I, I think a lot of these teams are going to try to prove something. Like, if you're the Bucks and Adrian Griffin, you're like, yeah, I'll show you what we can do in these games that matter. If you're like a young team like the Pacers or the Pelicans, you're trying to naturally prove it. LeBron wants to be the first. He wants to add another thing of accolades on top of his long career. He wants to lead the Lakers to the first ever in-season tournament. The Suns, like, they're a new team put together. All of these teams up and down the line have something to prove. So I, I, I lean towards, I think these teams, coaches and players, are going to ramp it up even more next week. And that's where we're really going to find out how special this new wrinkle in the NBA regular season schedule could be with the tournament. I agree with you. They're going to care. One of the things that we wondered going into this and what was how much will the players care about this? And I think we've gotten that answer. They do care. Watch these games. I mean, it is a higher level of intensity. and. It has given us something to care about in the, the fact that you are even talking about matchups that are going to be taking place on December 4th and looking <laughs> forward to them mm-hmm. is something so foreign to us in reference to the last, whatever, this is our eighth season together. 
Like the 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 last seven seasons, like it's just like all right, like it's just we'll do whatever we're going to be talking about for the December fourth game. Here's another regular season game, and then it goes on, and then there's another regular season game, and then there's another. You know, at least there's some juice to this for sure, for sure. And I do think that I also think that having it in a venue once it gets there, once we get past this, that having it in a venue. But I think that the fans in those markets are going to care a lot, right? Like if I weren't planning, I, I, you know, you're probably going, if you're in Indiana, you're probably going to a Celtics game anyway. Um, if you're in Sacramento, you're probably going to a Pelicans game anyway, but I would imagine all of these games will be sellouts and, and yeah. on Monday nights. And I don't care what the, what the, what, the, what it says, in terms of uh, what 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 the what the statistics say, I've been in an arena that is quote sold out, and you look around and it there's seats. You know what I mean, like because they got so many season ticket holders and whatever else. Um, I, I bet you're going to see raucous crowds, and I bet you're going to see full stadiums for this, which is going to be a lot, also a lot different than Monday nights in December. Though those are. Those are the games that people, especially with families, take off. They've just gotten through the weekend. They've just started the work week. And then they'll, like, give their tickets to somebody at work. And if they don't give them their tickets to somebody at work, then they just burn them. They just don't yeah. even use them, right? And so yeah. oh, it'll be, sure. it's all way different than it usually is, for sure. It's like it's like uh, on on my believe it was Monday night's games. Bill Simmons tweeted out he like when Jokic apparently said he was going to be out for the game. He's like, well, I was going to go, but now I'm questionable <laughs> for tonight's game, <laughs> right? Like, that's the type of thing that happens during a normal regular season game. If you have season tickets, you're just like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to give them away. Uh, but yeah, Monday night's going to be great. Like I'm looking forward to doing the podcast with you that night. Celtics Pacers, Kings Pelicans. Those are going to be two really exciting games. I'm fired up. All right. Look, no disrespect to the Pacers and the Knicks. The best thing that can happen is that it turns out Celtics Bucks and we get what many people think could be an Eastern Conference Finals preview. That's the best thing that can happen. I think that would be a awesome scenario to see play out so we can see those teams match up in a high-profile game. I, I think that would be great. Like It's also great that on Tuesday we do get Lakers-Suns that we get one of those types of matchups with two teams of those aspirations. Granted, the Lakers have some major downs like they did tonight, um, but I think those those matchups would be awesome to see. Okay, so I think probably if it's, you know, if the Lakers don't, aren't able to get their guys back, then that's not going to be a good example of what they're going to be when they're fully formed by the time it gets to the playoffs. Suns obviously won't have Beal back, but as long as they have Durant back, Suns versus, and I honestly, I, I don't have a strong opinion on who I'd rather see them play between the Kings and the Pelicans. I like both of those matchups. I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I, and I think that it maybe, I know you say that LeBron, it would be another, you know, thing on his mantle. I'm not sure they're going to care deeply. I'm not sure they're going to care deeply. I mean, about LeBron's that. made comments about wanting the money. Yeah. Like he needs it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he wants to get Max Christie the money. Yeah, he's gonna own own the Vegas Gamblers someday. So <laughs> is that what they're gonna be called? The Gamblers? Yeah, I don't know about the Gamblers. That's just like a, a name uh, that Bill and Ryan used on one of their pods months ago. Oh. The expansion draft pod they did. So I that's saw a good that. Episode. 
it wasn't Vegas. I think it was Seattle or whoever that you mentioned that Bob Myers could end up running at some point. And that oh, yeah. was part of your Warriors article. Man, you really you really went in on the Warriors in this article that you put out. You had some pretty tough words for Steve Kerr, pretty tough words for Clay Thompson. I, I just felt like you were Kevin O disgusted with what you have seen so far. <laughs> and uh so, so disgusted that Andrew Wiggins, I believe, uh uh closed his finger in his door this morning. <laughs> And, 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 then the, and then the story said that, uh, which is making it hard for him to shoot. And I was like, oh, yeah. um, I don't know if anybody's watching Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> I mean, it might act, it might help him. Who knows yeah. if that's making? I mean, the guy can, he hadn't been able to hit a shot, anyways. But you get the sense that they are the, uh, you know, the 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 Uncle Ricos, as I called them a couple of years ago. The the grumpy old men, they're getting kind of surly about things right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all surly. Steve Kerr, surly. Draymond, surly. Clay Thompson, surly. You know, Curry just kind of stays out of the mix on yeah, this. Yeah, Curry's but, just doing his same old thing. Yeah, if you can, um, <laughs> you know, just kind of describe for those that have not read it what you've seen from the Warriors and why you think, you know, unless there's some changes that are made, the best days are clearly behind them. So I, I think with that that night's game, what inspired it was the fact that they lost a 24-point lead to the Kings on, on Tuesday night's game, a 24-point lead. And they had a win by, what, 12 that night in order to keep their spot in the in-season tournament. So not only did they blow that, but then they blew the game to a conference rival, an emerging rival that they faced in the playoffs just a handful of months ago. Um, so I, I think that was that was part of it. But um, I, like overall, like more than anything else, the, it was the way in which they lost the game that it was just a continuation of some of the issues that they've had all season long. Where like Steve Kerr was asked after the game about. Moses Moody, why was he subbed out of the game? Because Moses Moody, we talked about this on the podcast, how Moody's been really good in 14, 15, 16 minutes per game. That night, he hit two massive threes in the fourth quarter. He was grinding hard on defense. He looked like one of the best players on the floor for the Warriors. And he got pulled like within a minute after hitting those back-to-back threes. And Kerr was asked after the game about that, and he's like, Moody's awesome. He's fantastic. He's the ultimate pro. We just felt like we had to get Andrew Wiggins back in the game, which I get getting Wiggins back in the game. But Clay Thompson, not the same Clay Thompson anymore. Kevon Looney, not a great night for him. It just felt like a weird choice by Kerr not to trust and ride the young guys, which is one of the themes of the year that every Warriors fans know about. So like that night, Chris Paul gets hurt and Gary Payton gets hurt, which is unfortunate for them. Tonight's game against the Clippers, you're seeing... Pods get an opportunity off the bench, and he's crushing. It's currently a seven-point Warriors lead in the middle of the fourth quarter as we're recording this, so we'll in, see in that fa- in, in fairness, uh, this is going on while we're recording this. While recording. They, they, at one point in this game, they were up 18. Because that game yes. was like 55-37. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they, they were. I thought they were going to run the Clippers out of the gym, and then I was going to come on here and make fun of you for your article. Yep. Well, and, and also, so like point being is that tonight pods and Moody are getting a heavier opportunity because guys are absent. But for Kerr, I, I just get the impression that he's having a hard time with the political aspect of the minutes on this team where he's favoring his veterans like Corey Joseph got minutes over. 
pods on Tuesday night. You got like the the older young guy in Kaminga getting opportunities ahead of Moody and Trace Jackson Davis, both of whom have been better than Kaminga this season. Clay Thompson, who clearly can't defend the same level anymore against quicker guards in the perimeter and is taking a ton of shots outside the flow of the offense, despite his inability to create, is not getting the same short leash that some of those younger guys do. And and in some regards, like I understand the challenge that Kerr is facing right now, but the reality is that I'm not so sure those guys can be the second or third best player anymore. So regardless of Kerr's choices, I view the Warriors as a team that's going to have to make a move if they want to continue maintaining their hopes of being a contender. And then Kerr also is going to have to figure out how do I figure out the best balance of giving veterans opportunities and leaning on those guys like I have for 10 years now versus giving an opportunity to young guys who look worthy of the opportunity and look like players who can help assist Stephen Curry and continuing to be a very high-level team. Because Steph, that's the one guy that you can't question on the Warriors right now. He's the one guy who remains dominant. He's having nearly a 50-40-90 season. He's averaging nearly 30 points per game. He remains dominant. So you can't you can't take that for granted with what the Warriors have still in Steph at 35 years old. So what can they do about it is really the question of the article. And I got into some, you know, theoretical trade names and all that. But more than anything else, I think they need to first figure it out internally with the guys that should be playing and how to manage those egos um, of some of these guys who are falling off, particularly Clay Thompson. Do you think they miss pool and not the pool that obviously, look, last year was a disaster because of the, I'm talking about that, that role, like that guy that, was another guy that could have the ball and be like playmaking punch no, and no, some nights could nope. give you I, I'm saying the nope. theoretical they, Jordan they have pool. pods. They they have the theoretical pool and pods and, and he's just not getting run on the court. And I think that's the guy they need to lean on far more often. He's a creator. He's a spark plug. He can play on and off ball. He's a competitor. He's got a high basketball IQ. He can shoot it. Pods is the guy that Steve Kerr should be leaning on far more often. And I think if he does continue to give him opportunities like he has tonight against the Clippers, he will see what he can provide. So I would not say, and at no no point in the article do I say that the Warriors are completely done being contenders. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that to be true. I believe they need need to make some tweaks in order to sustain contention. Whether, Whether it's trading Clay, which is the hard thing to do, because he's clay and he can still produce. He still can have really strong nights for you because of his shooting. Or trading Chris Paul, which I think is the solution there. You trade Chris Paul, you trade Kaminga, some of the young guys, some of your future picks, and that's how you help shape the team around Stephen Curry in a way that allows him to continue flourishing in the postseason. I agree with you in the sense that you're never done being a contender if you've got one of the five best players on earth. Yes. It is a matter of building out around them. It is the challenge that we've talked about. It's what Denver has done so well, your best friend, Calvin Booth. Um, it is also <laughs> what, you know, the challenge that we talk about every off season when it comes to Luca. it's the challenge we talk about with Joel Embiid and w- whenever they were going to make their decision on James Harden. Like, but if you, we know the history of the NBA tells us that you got to have one of those guys in order to be there at the end. And if you do have one of those guys, you've got a chance. You've got a chance at it, right? Because he can just go heads up with you. Look, that that Warriors team wasn't very good last year. 
And then they went heads up and Curry got it done. And it, it wasn't enough because they were too little against that Lakers team. But he got it done against the, uh, against the Kings. Right? I mean, they took them to seven games. And and so that it wasn't enough last year. And there's nothing that really took place this offseason that makes you think that it would be enough this year. Therefore, Dunleavy's in that kind of position. And that was one of the things that Kerr was asked about either in the post-game presser that night or his radio interview the next day. I forget which one it was, but I listened to both. And Kerr mentioned something like, we, we got we to gotta get better about, I'm paraphrasing, we got to get better about limiting turnovers and competing consistently on defense. And he gave an answer like that. And then the reporter interjected afterwards. And they're like, well, that was the theme of all last season too, right? So is it concerning for you that it's still an issue now after this was the whole theme of last year? And Kurt really didn't have a great answer for that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, it is still a concern. Uh, but I, I took that as Kerr, you know, talking about the same things that it remain an issue. But in reality, the issue is the, is the diminishing talent level around Stephen Curry. They have not had the home run draft picks that they could have. I mean, they had some whiffs. Kaminga does not seem to be the guy that could have hoped for. They The Wiseman selection, unfortunately, didn't work out. They have some solid young guys, Pajimski and Moody, but like, I, I just don't think it's enough with the youth. They need to make a move for somebody else out there in the league. And, and to me, Chris Paul is the... I mean, Paul's been okay. He's been okay. He's just not... He's not like the same guy he he wasn't his prime on defense obviously he's getting to the rim at a career low rate he's not getting to the free throw line he's not shooting the ball well he's just a weird fit for that team as we anticipated um but i'd say it's worse than uh expected even and ultimately i view him with his expiring salary as the piece that they need to move for somebody who does fit at a high level and that does give them something that they need to because they have a chance they get a chance when you get someone like steph yeah, and Chris Paul, the, like uh, certainly as this season goes on, um, you could see him being desirable to a contender, even mm-hmm. right. Somebody you're, that you're has right. that has that spot available, right? Like Chris Paul could still start. He so, can somebody somebody who run actually runs a lot of pick and roll, right? That's what Chris Paul still does best. He can still run an offense in the pick and roll. But the Warriors don't run pick and roll, and and he's still like a coach on the floor, right? He's yeah, the he's one a that high knows. IQ guy, he's a high IQ player. Yeah, right? and so I, I think with him, it's the type of thing where the Warriors aren't the best fit for him either. Right? He, right. I, I, it's, it's just not like they they are near the bottom of the league in pick and rolls per game. They always have been over the last the entire Kerr era. And Chris Paul is one of the guys who is near the tops of the league in pick and rolls. That's what he does. Is he's yeah. an orchestrator. He's the point god. So if you're a team that feels like, eh, you know, Chris Paul for a handful of months on an expiring salary, and then we could potentially re-sign him for cheap, why the heck not? It could be a mutually beneficial uh, trade for another team out there that wants to contend, unless it ends up being a team that would just waive him, and then he signs with a contender. Uh, but I, I view Chris Paul as the guy you trade. Like trading Clay to me, it should be on the table, but I don't think you should do it unless it makes complete sense. Because I still think Clay can provide to a championship contending team, just not in the same volume that he's provided before, not in the same expectations from him as a defender. But Clay still has valuable traits that he can provide with his shooting ability. And if he were traded to a team that would waive him, he would get scooped right the hell up by a contender immediately. 
and probably come back with an edge and end up screwing the Warriors at some point down the line because Clay still has that edge. I'll tell you this. I, I think there would be less focus on Clay if Wiggins wasn't horrible. I do. Like he's been, he's been a yeah, bad yeah. basketball w- Wiggins player. Was, Wiggins was the second best player when they won the he's championship. He's a bad right? player. Yeah, I know he's not good, right? So now. it's not, you know, right? There's so much more attention that goes to whatever Thompson's doing because Wiggins is so bad. Yeah, that's a good point. You could plug anybody in. If I promise you, if you give anybody almost thirty minutes a game, they can get you what Wiggins is getting you. Yeah, he has been good. Not been good at all. And it can't make a shot. So it's like so much of that, you know, if you want, we talked about earlier, I watched them and it's like, you think about the way it works with that. If you sit there and you go, all right, I'm going to trap the ball and I'm going to get the ball out of Curry's hands, you know, and I'm just going to face guard Clay Thompson. Who else is making a shot? You know, uh, you look up and down the numbers like that pods can make some shots and, Moody can make some shots. They ain't in the game. So who else am I worried about going to make a shot against me? And so I think that's the problem. I think that there's more focus on what Clay, you know, any any of Clay's weaknesses because it's really, they're not at the age where they can just be those two. No, 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 for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you, plus, know. you know, plus because, I mean, with Clay, he is taking a lot of shots outside of himself and his defense has regressed. But because you're right, because Wiggins, because Wiggins hasn't produced, the Warriors are losing more, and therefore there's more focus on what the factors are towards losing. I think Clay's about to have his I think he's about to have his second 20 point game tonight. So. Yeah, yeah. It does look like he he is having his best tonight. Remember I did that stat like a couple of weeks ago when we did the pod, I was like there's one other player that has scored 20 besides. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Karina. It was Saric, right? Yeah, it was Dario Saric. Isn't that crazy? That was actually a thing at one point this season. <laughs> I, it's yeah, still yeah, kind Clay's, of a thing. It's yeah, Clay, still Clay's kind got, of a thing. Clay's got over 20 right now. He's got 22 points as we record. He read your article. You know, he's yeah, a big reader. Maybe he probably did. Yeah, he probably might have. I mean, it, oh, he hates your guts. And Kaminga had a good game too. Seventeen. He's probably, he's probably going to come at the press conference to talk about yeah. what a bozo you are. Steve, Steve Kerr might have been like an epic reading of it in the locker room. Who knows? He takes all that stuff super personal. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. so. yeah. Even though he says, even though he says he doesn't take it personal, he definitely takes it personal. That's right. You saw that what? back and forth with the presser with Clay. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying I should was, bench? <laughs> he was wearing like a Titans beanie. Yeah. That was so weird. Hmm. Isn't that strange? What I I don't know what what possible connection could he have to the Titans, or maybe he was just mm. maybe he just likes the colors. Let me see. <laughs> strange if you if you look at the picture from that press conference, he's wearing a Titans beanie. I don't know if anybody asked him why he was wearing it. Maybe he's got a friend on the team or something. I don't know. I don't know. They're pitiful. I, I, I mean, I did a Google <laughs> search. Mean, Apparently, it's not his first time wearing Titans apparel. It's That's not. I can say no. It's not his first time. No. Oh, so maybe he's maybe he's got a connection yeah, there that like I don't video, know about. On the Titans Instagram from January 2022, he's holding a water bottle with a with a Titans logo on it. Maybe there's some connection. Maybe he's got a family member or a mm. friend or something. I don't know. You just don't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So, big Titans fan. I mean, cool. he like. Grew up in California, went to Washington State. He's played for the Warriors his whole career. It's just strange. It's just strange. 
that he would uh, that he would be wearing Titans gear, but maybe he's got a, maybe he's a big fan of him. Anyway, that that's what I noticed when he was going back and forth with the reporter. I'm like, <laughs> why is he wearing a Titans hat? <laughs> Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Man, we got to start using Apple Cash. All right. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. Okay. So I can pay you in convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have the money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Hmm. That's actually kind of nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff at like a store with Apple Pay. Oh, so I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. All right, we got to do some uh, surprises and disappointments for the season so far. We do this as the season goes on, and we update these every couple of weeks. All right, you want to start with surprises or disappointments? I'll start with a surprise. Oh, okay, you start. Go ahead. All right. De'Aaron Fox taking another scoring leap is a pleasant surprise because last season he attempted six pull-up twos per game. Only 2.7 pull-up threes per game. This season, this is where the change is. He's taking 4.3 pull-up twos per game, down from six last season, and his pull-up threes per game have gone up to 5.3 per game, up from 2.7 last year. So pretty much doubled there. He's shooting 48% on pull-up twos, 40% on pull-up threes. This is a guy who the last couple seasons has started to prove, hey, I'm not a shooting liability. He became a reliable shooter off the off the dribble. That's why he won Clutch Player of the Year with so many of the shots that he hit. This year, he's even better. He's taking four more shots per game. I love the fact that Mike Brown, who is one of the best coaches in all of the league, the system that he runs, the way he empowers his players, the way there's a hierarchy on the team, he lets De'Aaron Fox take this even greater volume role to take this scoring leap. And Fox is, is running with it. Um, it's impressive to watch. So I'd say that's one of the pleasant surprises of the year so far, that De'Aaron Fox is even better than he was last season. All right. Uh, my first surprise, I'm going to have to eat some crow on this. On the And I did even a week into the season, but I'll continue to do it. The Dallas Mavericks, who are in third, they're 11-6, and six, and... If I'm being fair, they'll probably be 12 and 6 after tomorrow night against Memphis. <laughs> so that would give them another win. Um, but they're in third in the Western Conference, and the Luca Kyrie thing is working. They are both simultaneously being awesome. Uh, they've gotten better in close games. Their defense is atrocious, but they're one of those teams when it looks good, it looks devastating. Now, when it looks bad, it looks really bad. But the good is, like, super outweighing the bad on regular occasion. And I want Jason Kidd to know I am saying something positive 
right now about his team. Do you see him <laughs> go after Tim McMahon about how he oh, needs, yeah, to, yeah. needs to yeah. drop some <laughs> f bombs? Why, why don't you write something positive? Uh, so <laughs> I am saying something positive about the Dallas Mavericks. Um, when we saw them at the beginning of the year and even in that preseason where they were doing the goofy stuff, they had uh, lively and that Omax prosper and whatever. Like, yeah, playing right. for we were like, what the hell? I'm like, okay, this is not going to go very well. Um, <laughs> instead, it's going very well. They've got a rejuvenation out of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. who's knocking down a high clip of threes. And they got some active guys. You know, Lively's been kind of a pleasant surprise in most cases. Derrick Jones Jr. like flies around. He's the one guy that can like make some uh, defensive activity happen. Josh Green. I mean, they got it's looked much better than I expected it to look. And it's always a wait and see on the Kyrie thing. But everybody seems to be simpatico for right now. And though Kyrie has blown up damn near every team he's played for in the last eight years. He hadn't done it yet, and there hasn't been any drama associated with it yet. And so, so far, so good. But they they have they have surprised me in terms of how they've been able to start this season and both of those guys simultaneously be good because it didn't even look good last year after they acquired Kyrie. So I got to give them credit. It's looked good, and man, like there's nights where it's like, geez, they got two of the best scorers, players in the world on this team. Like, that's when you need to be reminded. It's like, okay, I know this guy can be super goofy and mess up teams. He's still one of the most unbelievable offensive talents we have ever seen. And it's working. It's working. You want to go second surprise or you want to go disappointment? Second surprise on my list. All right. All right. Over the last six games, this guy is averaging 18.7 points per game. Five rebounds, 3.3 assists. He's shooting over 50% from three, over 90% from the free throw line. And it's not just six games he's been good. He's been, been good all year long. Jame Jaquez with the Miami Holy Heat. Holy crap. Jaquez being this good this soon is a surprise. He is good across the board already. And I thought he had a play tonight in his 24-point game against the Pacers that kind of summed it up for him because we knew at UCLA in four years there that good mid-range player, good post player, amazing footwork, good feel for the game, smart cutter. We knew all those things about him, but the fact he's shooting threes at such a high level already, that's opening up the floor for him in ways that it, it was never able to. Nobody could have expected it this soon. There was a play, I believe it was first half, Bruce Brown picked him up above the three-point line because he's a threat to shoot. And then a, a screen came over for Jaquez. He denied the screen, spun away from it, blew by Bruce Brown, and then Miles Turner was trying to recover. And Jaquez just kind of does what he does with his footwork, with his body. He leaned in, created space for the layup. And I thought it was a great example of how the improved perimeter jumper has opened up the floor for him in ways that are are leading to amazing results already this season. So for the Heat... Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that they ended up not getting Dame because Hawkes is looking really good and they still retain flexibility to make other moves. And Hawkes is looking like an absolute keeper for that team and a necessary piece. 
and more opportunity when with the, with the hero injury that he had because I saw him. I I was actually at the game. The hero got hurt in Memphis, and in that game, it got cut to I believe three at the end of the game, and the Grizzlies went out and trapped. Swing, swing, went to Hawkes in the corner. He ended the game. He hit a three, yeah. and I'm like, that is a big nut shot for a rookie. I mean, and this is going to make me, I mean, it made me so mad when you said that because. Well, you you have could, him on your list too? He's literally number three, oh, Hame wow. Hawkes. <laughs> so, I, but I will add to it because I had some, okay. uh, I, I actually had that tabbed as a couple of rookie surprises. Okay. Okay. So I had Hame Hawkes, and now I'm going to name one other. And that is the uh, the Pelicans kid, Jordan Hawkins. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. He is a legitimately fantastic shooter. Now, I think it's at 37% right now. Like, how many times? 15 a game? He <laughs> shoots a million of them. All right, Kevin, Kevin, here's what I'm going to tell you. All right, look. He has 53 threes so far this season, okay? These are the players with more three-point makes than Jordan Hawkins, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr., Tyrese Maxey, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Paul George. Wow. Ten players. Wow. In the league. And it's his first whatever, what, 18 games into the year? The first 18 games he's played? And there's 10 guys in the league that have made more threes than this kid. Like in a day and age where it's pace and space and, and shooting. And, you know, they don't really play with a point guard. I'm like, man, this guy is going to be able to. <laughs> he can really, really shoot it. And, you know, you had to know that some of these guys were going to pop from that UConn team. Every once in a while, I'll see the other kid come in for the Bucks. Leighton Gaze, uh, uh, was it Andre Jackson or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I wish oh God, I'm, oh I love him, I love him, and I'm you know, and you watch him and you're like, yeah, no wonder UConn beat the shit out of everybody. Like these guys are good, and yeah. Jordan Jordan Hawkins, I mean, to hit this many threes this fast, you know, they need some shooting there because they don't they play a lot of non shooting, um, especially in the absence of McCollum, but. Pretty impressive. I had Hawkes and Jordan Hawkins written down as two guys that, you know, we spend all the time talking about Chet and Wemby, who are transcendent rookies. But there's been a couple others that have, like, really been performing and that have done some pretty special stuff. And if it weren't for Chet and Wemby, I think th those two that we just mentioned are both contributing to good teams. Winning yeah, for teams. for sure. And, winning and, and, teams. And, and Hawkins is such a crucial piece with that Pelicans half-court offense, too, because you mentioned how they don't necessarily have a ton of shooting, but like they, like they'll like they throw the ball to Zion down in the post sometimes and then have another player come over and set a little down screen for Hawkins, and he'll just curl around that while Zion's drawing, too. So there's movement off-ball while Zion's drawing attention, and Zion will just find him. And like Hawkins had this three the other game. I think it was against Utah where that type of play happened. And, and like his, he's like looking away from the basket pretty much when he receives the ball, but turns his body midair. It looks like Ray Allen and just splashes the shot. He's, it's not just spot up threes or transition runouts where he's hitting these 53 pointers that you're mentioning. 
it's like tough half court shots coming off of screening actions or handoffs where he's just blasting away and and just drilling shots from from deep for a team that really needs shooting and they're getting Trey Murphy back soon. Right. So, like, in order gonna, to, that's gonna help that, them even more. That could be huge in yes. terms of just creating the space for the others. Right. Uh, uh, Ingram to be able to get to his mid range and then Zion around the basket. Yes. You know, that gives them another shooter. But this kid has been so good. He has to be honored. He has to be honored, and which is pretty impressive for a rookie to be able to make that many at that clip this fast. I mean, the kid is he's a shooter mm-hmm. for real shooter. Uh, all right. Your last surprise. We'll just go with what's the team we've talked about a lot. But I think they're, it's worth mentioning here. The Sixers offense being this good without James Harden, number two offensive rating in the NBA. I mean, I think you could have expected top half in the league, but number two in the NBA, just a couple of ticks behind the Pacers. It's pretty amazing that they've that they're this good this soon without James Harden. Uh, so I, I'm I'm impressed by that team. Obviously, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, way better this season. We've talked a ton about the new system that Nick Nurse has installed. Embiid looks even better than he did during his MVP season last year. Uh, more playmaking, more quick decision making. The offense is at least at the least enjoyable to watch. The Sixers have had some painful years, even when they've been competitive. The Sixers have a fun team right now, and it's very cool that their offense has adapted so quickly after missing a guy that handled the ball so much the last year and a half for them. The last one that I'll mention is another team, and so I won't spend a lot of time on it, that we've talked about it a lot, but it is for sure, for me, Phoenix. Because we thought, going into this year, one of the things that we talked about a a great deal in the preseason was, well, this is going to be the craziest experiment to watch where it's like, we got these three guys, you spent a billion dollars on them. You're going to pay, you're going to pay several billion to have this team. And then you've just tried to fill it out around them with a bunch of guys. And then we were impressed with how they filled it out. But it was like, in the end, you're still going to have to have your guys. Bro, they haven't had the three of them at all. At all. We haven't even seen it. Yet, I think Beal's what he played like two games or something like that. Um, and so for them to be able to have the record that they have, uh, you would think, and this speaks to the roster that they were able to build around those guys and those, and that the guys are able to capably play alongside these superstar, whatever superstar is available. And it has been Durant, and then it, and he was kind of by himself. And now it's been Booker, and he's kind of by himself. Like, Katie, bar the door if they ever, ever get all three of them going together. Because the fact that they've been able, uh, they have not struggled when they've missed two of the three, that's the gig. If you spend all that money, then those guys, you know, you're going to bake in that they're not going to be healthy all 82 games, but you know that you're going to need them. Um, man, they've kept on trucking. They, 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 they better, much better than I, w- I will, I will put them in the surprises because a much better record than I would have thought if you told me the missed games up to this point. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that Friday night game against the Nuggets. Oh, Yo- yeah. Jokic, Jokic is back. Um, like Jamal, Murray's Mar- back. Jamal Murray's back. 
Maybe Aaron Gordon will be back tomorrow as well after missing a couple of games. Uh, he's questionable for Friday as of recording. So that, that could be a really great matchup as a rematch from last year's second round. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. Let's go to disappointments. Okay. I'll start. Oh, you, you want to start? start? Okay. Yeah, right, I'll cool. start. Because I don't know how you watch, and so you may not even be able to relate to this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say this. It's League Pass. Yeah. Bro, I have to sign into this damn thing every night. Okay, let me let me ask. I'm going to be customer it service here. I'm, I'm customer service. Customer service. How many devices are you using that login on, Mr. Vernon? In my house? Yeah, how many? I don't know. Okay, well, that, I'm, I'm customer service. Let's, Does it matter? Is it how many is it, Mr. Vernon? Is there a limit? Yes, there is. So if you if why on, if you're on a limit of devices, you will have to log in my into, house. Uh, yeah, if you're on like six or seven devices, you no, how many? What's in. the limit? I the limit's got to be one. I think it's because four. every time I, I watch, it, no, it's one. I swear, it's the same freaking TV. Three. It's three I, devices. Three devices. Oh, I'm not signed into three. You're not signed into three? Okay. No. In my game room up here, okay, I have to right. sign in every freaking night. Drives me crazy. On your, on your TV. Oh, my God. And then it says, are You're you? You're cooking, like, d- save password and all d- that? Yeah. D- no. It says, in. it says, do you want to sign in to your provider? Do you want to sign in, you know, with your ID? And I'm always having to log out and log back in and sign back in. Oh, it drives me nuts. So, okay. I'm, drives see, me crazy. I, this is like the opposite of my experience. I uh, think the works great for me. <laughs> I'm going to sound like constantly like have to sign in to say this, but I have had no issues at all the last two years or so. Um, I'll see if I can get you some help on that with some. Why is it signing service, me okay? out all the time? I'll try. I don't to, I'll understand. try to. I'll try to help you out. Okay. <laughs> so I know customer you're... service. Oh God! <laughs> I just don't understand why it's always signing me out. I'm just curious. If, the... I want to know if our listeners have that same issue because I thought it would be the amount of devices like you're signing on your phone, you're in on the TV, Williams iPad, like something I'm not like that. keeping up with how many uh, devices okay, are signed well, into could, that it. That could be it. I don't have six devices it's signed into. You don't, but your whole family might. Like William, Who, nobody, no. How, is William, no. Does William have a phone? He doesn't even know. Does what he the, have a phone? He doesn't know what the league pass thing is. Okay, all right. He doesn't know that. All right, okay, well, I think it's... I don't understand that it's probably, anyway. Probably something you're doing wrong if it's just one no. device. How come, I can, <laughs> hey, how come I can just pull up YouTube and my Sunday tickets there on every damn TV? Mm, yeah. 
I mean, maybe it might be, it might be like a, what TV is it? I wonder. I, this is, I don't want to get into what TV deals, but it might be, it just might be something wrong with Come the on, smart you, TV. You're, you're, I don't friggin', know. Just, you're friggin' Kevin O'Silver. I'm just, I'm just this never. Bull crap. I haven't had, Stop I, defending them. I used to have issues with League Pass up until like last season or the year before, and I've had no issues since. It's worked seamlessly. I haven't, I haven't had any skips or anything like that. <laughs> you probably no got it touch with your league contact all right well we'll, <laughs> we'll try to help you out after oh, this recording God, gross <laughs> i don't even give try a crap i'll try to help you <laughs> clearly you do you're opening you're so opening it, up your disappointments with i know clearly i just have care. to sign in every night <laughs> you sound like Trust clay thompson me. i don't care what people say about me on the radio and on the internet it doesn't matter i can't do what i do mm. <laughs> i don't care about my league pass account even though i'm talking about it on my podcast no, I said I don't care about you helping me oh, okay. and getting me in contact with the okay. NBA right. to right. help me. Just stop making me sign in. Okay. I've got I, I own it. I bought it. Isn't that enough for you? All right. Okay. All right. My Go my ahead. first disappointment. Uh granted they had uh, an impressive loss tonight uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. The Spurs 3 and 15. That's worse than we could have anticipated with the expectations entering the season. 28th in offensive rating, 27th in defensive rating. They're a minus 11 with Victor Wembenyama on the floor. They are a minus 15 without him on the floor. You mentioned the aforementioned controversy debate this year about Jeremy Sohan. They've had guys in and out of the lineup. Um, the Greg Popovich grabbing the mic in the middle of games. It just th- this team has not been anywhere near as uh, deserving of optimism as I would have anticipated. And I hope at some point during the season that we do feel that way. And um, maybe part of that will be moving Devin Vassell back into the starting lineup, getting him more more than thirteen shots per game when he's your best offensive player. Maybe part of that will be having a, a, a real point guard that you acquire via trade. Um, granted, I am in favor of continuing with Sohan, but I hope over the course of the season that we do see the Spurs improve. But one of the big things with them also, though, despite all this conversation about all these other factors on the Spurs, this is also about Victor Wembenyama himself. Victor Wembenyama, 74% shooting in the restricted area, dominant at the rim. This is why people want to see him utilize a more pick and roll. He is a dominant force at the rim. However, He's shooting 37 in the paint, 37% in the paint outside of the restricted area, 36% from mid-range, 29% from three. Wemby himself also needs to make progress all over the course of the season for this Spurs offense to dig themselves out of the bottom five in the NBA to become average, to become better. Wemby's really high level on defense already. The rest of the supporting cast needs to get better around him. But offensively, Wemby himself also needs to get much better. And I hope we see that progress this season. Because so far, he looks more like the same version of himself last year, where he was inefficient outside of the restricted area um, last season for the Mets 92. I hope he gets better. Because I think he will at some point. But I hope it happens soon. Look, I, we talked about them a lot uh, because of Wemby. I, I don't understand why it's so hard. I, I played Trey... And uh, I tra- played Trey and Vassell as my backcourt with Sohan as my three, Wemby as my four, and Collins as my five. They, they, started, bring- they started Trey Jones 65 games last year. We know how it looks, and it's not good. They, but they were sitting guy, and Vassell was good last year. 
right? And there were so, sitting so, guys so that they were Sohan will be good this year too. And they were I, I and they confidence. didn't they didn't have Wembayama and they were losing on purpose. And so then you have uh, and then you can bring Kelda Johnson and Malachi Branham and all those guys off the bench. Like they they should they dude they could be better than they are Chris, right they, now they, with they, the personnel they have. But they they. They are losing on purpose this year too. Like they, they're in, in, in the sense that they are experimenting. They're focusing on development above all else. Like, they're developing they're, a guy into a position that he'll never play. Yeah, but they're but they're involving him in actions that they want him to be competent at when it co- he becomes just saw, time. He just scored thirty three points off the ball tonight. You saw what he can look like we if know. he's not have the ball in his hands. I know, but like you want to develop him in some of the areas in which that he is underdeveloped. Some of the things that he's done on the floor are bonehead, frustrating decisions, and the, the 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 play that went viral on social media recently, where like he missed a lob opportunity to Wembenyama. Those are the situations you want him in, so you he can improve in some of those areas. Because he doesn't even be- want to be in those situations. He said, "F this ish." He literally had the quote. It doesn't matter what he wants. Yes, it it's does. A, it's a, it, it doesn't. You, you want to develop into, into the player and shape him into the player that you believe is an organization that he can become. I, like this is one of the things I, I honestly am shocked. It is such a conversation nationally because it's crazy. It, I'm shocked. Like, Cause this they're feels wasting like, when, uh, could be even better than he is. And that team could be more competitive. Than I don't it think is. so. Look, Trey Jones running point is going to get Wemby more shots at the rim. He's not going to make Wemby a better post player, a better pull up shooter, a better decision. He's going to make everybody better because he's, no, a he's not a Trey, point guard. Trey, Trey Jones started 65 games last year and they stunk Kevin. because cause he's a six foot one undersized guard who can't shoot for shit. That's they why. didn't have Victor Wembayama last year, you dumbass. Okay, okay. okay. The Spurs. He could wasn't be, on the team. Yes. Okay. This is what I acknowledge. Yes, the Spurs could be a better team if they used Victor Wembayama screen and roll, lob threat at the rim all the time. The Spurs could be a better team. I'm sorry. I just don't feel like that is for the best for Wemby's development. I think we already know Wemby can do that. He'll always be able to do that. I want to see Wemby in other situations. I want to see other guys develop. At some point this season, I would like to see Devin Vassell get up more opportunities to bring the ball up the floor. I want to see him empowered to do some of that type of stuff. I hope he gets a chance at that. Just like a couple of years ago, we saw the Raptors like go through different experimentations like with OG and Onobi bringing in the ball right, at one bro. point, Scotty Barnes doing you're, it. You're literally, doing it. you're literally listing them as a disappointment, saying, "Oh, I don't know why they're worse than they are oh, than they should be." You, it's a disappointment <laughs> to you, and, disappointment. Then you're, and then you're defending all the reasons that they're a disappointment. <laughs> they, it's unbelievable. <laughs> what are we doing? Because I hope what they would be doing? better. I hope they would be better already. That's why. I hope that they would be better already. Like I hope that they would be better already. But they're not. I hope that it would be and better you know now. Why? And you know why? But no, 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 no. That's what yes, you're you ignoring. You're ignoring. You do you, know everybody's why. ignoring the fact that Wemby can't shoot outside the restricted area. You don't oh, even. God. You don't even acknowledge that. You ignored it each time I brought it up. Just like everybody in media, they're talking about Sohan. They're talking about this. They're talking about Pop. They're talking about Vassell. They're talking about that. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that Wemby himself needs to get better. And He's that played Trey, seventeen Trey, NBA games, bro. We don't I know. know. I agree with He's you. I agree. He's going to be a monster. But what I'm saying is the fact that he still needs to improve too. And that is one of the reasons like, damn it. I, I was banking on him being 
a better shooter already. I was banking on some progress there, and I hope it happens over the course of the season. This isn't about any one issue. It's about I just hope over the course of the year that this experimentation leads to reward. That's it. I hope all of this investment that they're making now leads to reward at some point for the Spurs. No, I mean, they probably saw it tonight, and they'll be like, you know what? Sohan could actually be really good off the ball. Oh, well, they we should probably really, try that. We we already know what he can do. They want to develop. They want to develop him in the situations where he needs to make decisions, because they view Sohan, as I've written about, as I've said to you a ton. They view Sohan as kind of their Swiss Army knife, Draymond Green type of player, somebody that they use in DHOs as one of the multiple ball handlers on their team, somebody that they use as a matchup nightmare with Victor Wembanyama when Wem- when Wem- when Wemby someday is a knockdown shooter that they want him running DHOs with a seven foot four freak. I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine with developing him as a secondary ball handler. That, so great. okay, okay, so so now okay, this is the point. They have a team where Trey Jones who they started 65 games last year and invested in heavily to find out what they could get out of him. And it's not that great. He's a backup point guard, and that's all he is. They invested in that guy last year. Now they're going to the other guy in their roster, and Jeremy Sohan, after a full year of using him off-ball in a role that you're envisioning for him. So now they're using him in situations in which that he's getting an opportunity to experiment and push the boundaries of his game. What is wrong with that? I just don't, I just have such a hard time understanding the, the perspective when it comes to him as a player. What is wrong with asking him to push outside of himself with what he did for a full year already? Because you are sacrificing what that team could be in order to develop something that doesn't need to be developed anyway. I totally disagree. And I, th- and I yeah. think I'll be proven right over the course of time. In fact, I know I will Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just listed him as a disappointment. I'm, Good no, grief. I, I, no, I did not. I said the Spurs yes, as did. an overall team as a disappointment. Yes. because of And the, that's the only thing anybody talks about with the okay. Spurs is right. how stupid this bad. is to play right. a small forward at point guard. No wonder you right. suck. Right. No wonder. And okay. then... Hilariously, we're recording this the night he had his career high yep. off the ball. Also on the ball, too, but that's beside the point. No, he did. Watch them. Watch the plays. Okay. All right. How many of those buckets is he on the ball? One All right. of 33 points? I mean, it's, it's his destiny is not to be on the ball. He's an off-ball basketball player. I'll be, pro- I'll be proven right. No, You'll you talk, talk to me in three or four years. I'll be proven right. Three or four years. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's when, that's when the, like, the Spurs, how many years are they behind the Thunder right now? As an example, Chet, who today is in a far better situation than Wemby. He has his teammates with an MVP candidate in SGA. The Thunder are three, four years ahead of the Spurs right now. So that's why I say in three to four years. When the Spurs are further ahead with their roster around Victor Wembanyama, when Wemby himself is further ahead in his development, when he, when we aren't talking about his shooting percentages outside of the restricted area, when, when his body is more complete and he's an even more dominant defensive player, when Sohan is making better decisions as a ball handler and Vassell is getting more opportunities on ball, that's the Spurs team I'm talking about. That's when that's when this investment will pay off for Sohan. I, I guarantee it. All right. I disagree. And it doesn't change the fact that it's disappointing that's not working sooner. I wish it would. 
I it's never going to work. Somewhere. It's never we'll going to work. Okay. We'll he see. will never be a we'll point see. guard. I never, said, I never said he'll be a point guard. I'm saying that using him in a point guard role allows him to push the boundaries of his game and develop in new areas. Cool. I'm glad we're going to sacrifice a season for the okay. development of Jeremy Sohan. Winning doesn't, matter. A, the sh- winning doesn't matter. It's about, it's about whoa, the development. It, it's just matter. I wish it would translate into more winning, but that's not the priority. It's about experimentation and development. Well, they're 0-10 in their last 10. It's going great. I hope at least some more wins. They are developing into piles of shit. That's what they're (laughs) developing into. That lose every night and get their ass kicked. So that's a great... It's great to develop. I love development. I feel, I feel like, you know, that poster in the, in the Fargo movie, like the little fish that's swimming against like everybody else. That's what I feel like when I'm discussing Jeremy Sohan. It's just like, I'm like, the, I feel like the only person sometimes who feels this way. You should. But, yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Okay. Uh, my next I'll be, disappointment. I'll be right. My next disappointment. The Eastern Conference, um, really from like eight down, it's just a bunch of who cares. I'm sorry. Like Cleveland has been boring her as hell, and they, I don't know they're why. My next one, they're my I don't next know why. One. I don't know why Darius Garland turns the ball over all the time now, but he does. Um, Atlanta, meh. Brooklyn, meh. Toronto, meh. Charlotte, who cares? Uh, Chicago, Washington, Detroit. Like, how do they have this many teams that are blah? Just a bunch of blah. Like the the top is really good. And then like the bottom half of the Eastern Conference is so lame. It really is. Um, And yeah, there are things that you could find from any team. But like on a night in, night out basis, just a bunch of blah that you sit there and go, I don't even like who cares. Seriously, like Indiana's been a fun story. Orlando has set the world on fire. They're the best story in the NBA. But, you know, it's kind of the same old, same old. And those teams, you know, that are like from eight down have just been, it's just been disappointing to me that half the conference is who gives a crap. Hasn't given any, you, any, you, any reason to give a crap about them. And I'll be proven right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up with one of the teams uh, in that bottom half of the East right now. And that's the Cavs. They they lose tonight against the Blazers uh, who stink. So like one one of the, one of the worst teams in the West um, right now is been a little bit better lately, to be fair, since they got Brogdon back, they've been a little bit more competent, but Going into Cleveland um, and beating them on their home floor, Cleveland scoring only 95 points against that Blazers defense. When you got Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley, who was having a really good night, but didn't get touches in the fourth quarter, uh, you got you got too many weapons. Max Struess, you got like we talked about Craig Porter Jr. last week. Where'd he go? Where's his minutes at this point? JB Bickerstaff's offense, I feel like. It it feels archaic in some ways. It, it gets stagnant far too often, and it comes down to um, to steal a line from Calvin Booth. Too much overlap yeah. with Cleveland. Um, we we you and I talked about that with Cleveland. Like, will this become a thing for them? I just think there's too much redundancy between Mitchell and Garland, and then in the front court between Mobley and Allen. Mobley, I, I, I think with him, he just isn't shooting the ball. 
from the perimeter too much at all. And when he does, he's not shooting it well. So you have two bigs that don't space the floor and two guards who are small and have similar-ish games uh, with their perimeter creation and are both small, undersized guys on defense. I think Cleveland, Bickerstaff, uh, there's a chance they need to replace him. Well, uh, but, hold but, on but, now. But, but also, but more than anything else, regardless of the coach, it doesn't matter if you bring Red Hour back, you know, from dead in the grave, like you bring him back to life, it doesn't matter. There still needs to be a change to the roster too. I just don't think it's going to work unless Mobley extends his range and Mitchell and Garland get split up. And in fairness, their their record is disappointing, and they're like ten and nine. But they they have only had they've had Mitchell for thirteen games. They've had Garland for thirteen games. They've had Allen for thirteen games. Yeah, so I mean, all, all those, those guys, games, like five hundred in those games too. I know, but all those guys have missed six games. I don't know. You know what I mean? I think they'll get it back together, but that notwithstanding, they they played terrible tonight against the Blazers. So I yeah, mean, but, it's not the what, night to say is, that. What does "get it back together" mean for Cleveland, though? Like, what does that really mean? Are they are they a, a contending team when they invested all those assets into Donovan Mitchell? I don't think they are. I think they're just a middling playoff team, a nice story. Maybe yeah. they win a round, but they're not a championship team. And you made an you made an investment in a team that should be in championship contention. And I just don't think that they will be and that they need to make changes. Well, and that's, and, and that was the, that was the point I was making about the, some of those other teams bond. Uh, so uh, let me just clarify on those, like the man, like usually the sorry teams are like, even when we were talking about Wimbayama, it like at least even stokes conversation. Cause it's like, we care because they've got this guy that we tune in totally. to watch. And then they're like, these teams don't even have like cool rookies and stuff. It's just a bunch of like we're not going anywhere. Like Toronto and Charlotte and Chicago and Washington and Detroit. And Detroit obviously is the, the the most abhorrent of all of them. Um, but because they, they should be young and fun and like on a trajectory where I'm watching Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Asur Thompson and Jalen Duran. Like it could be. He could be fun, and it's not fun at all. The The rest of those teams, though, like, they don't even have, like, fun rookies and stuff. They just stink. <laughs> it's not any good. Um, which is actually going to lead to my last disappointment. Oh, God, this one hurts me to do. This hurts me. Because it is a rookie. Bro, Scoot's been terrible. Oh, he's been really bad. <laughs> oh, my God. I know he's had the eye thing. I know he's, you know, it's first first time through the league and whatever else. But I mean, I've gone out of my way. Yeah, I think getting contacts. I get it. And well, he's wearing the he's wearing the, the shades now. Yep, yeah, yep. the goggles, right? Yeah, they're um, more sun, they look more like sunglasses than goggles, right? <laughs> I mean, so far he's what like thirty five percent from the field. It's ugly. He's like twenty three percent from three, and then tonight. He was one for eight, zero oh for five from three. Mm-hmm. He's got as many turnovers as he does assists. It's just not what I thought it would look like, even to start. I've I've seen guys struggle. I don't want to make determinations. Certainly, in a guy's first ten, twenty games he's ever playing in the NBA, but it's been especially brutal, especially brutal. And that like burst, explosion, like all that stuff. Like it's like I. Don't, so many times he just looks lost. Mm-hmm. 
out there. I, I just, I don't know. I didn't see this coming. He's, he, he hasn't had, like, I, I, it got so bad that the other night there was like a, uh, a Blazers post and it said, scoot, like real long, like with a bunch of yeah, O's yeah. and an exclamation point. And I, I like, I'm like, oh, thank God he finally did something. And I clicked the video and he like, it was just like a straight line drive for a oh, layup. Yeah, simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Mm hmm. I wouldn't have even posted that. <laughs> I wouldn't have even posted that. I mean, it was the most basic ass layup. And I was like, I thought he was going to like, you know, straddle somebody's face or something on a dunk. And I don't know, man. It's been brutal so far. I just want to see some. Just give me something, bro. Give me something. Have you seen a Scoot Henderson highlight this year? I'm worried. I'm worried, Chris. I, I haven't seen I a highlight. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's one that exists. I just hadn't seen it. I mean, I, you got to give him time, but uh, it, it's like an especially worrisome start. And I just hope at some point soon he has one of those games that reminds you of of why he was a, yeah, like why he was a top pick, why he was you know top high school recruit. Um, I just hope he has one of those games soon, and also for himself too, for his own confidence. Right? Do I you though? Do one. you really? Because you're kind of dug in on the. I told you Brandon Miller was the guy. <laughs> no, I mean, but I also had Scoop three. Oh, okay. So it's like maybe Scoop. I ended up having him too high. Like Jay Kyle Mann and I on the draft pod, we at certain points of the season talked about should Scoot really be ahead of the Thompson twins? Should he really be that high? I got that. I mean, and, I mean, we'll see. I never expected that. He would be a worse point guard than Jeremy Sohan. <laughs> That's when you know it's brutal. We just spent all this time. This guy, this guy's putting up worse numbers than Jeremy Sohan. He don't even want to be doing it. It's crazy. Come on, Scoop. Give me something, bro. I love you. Give me something. Just this look. Rough so far, brother. Man, I'll go with my last disappointment. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll keep it brief here. Um, the Bucks, they're thirteen and six, but they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone, like I wrote about in my power rankings earlier this week on the Ringer. Defensive issues, we've talked about it a bunch. Um, started the year with bringing Brook Lopez out of the paint, pressuring the ball. They then they start dropping Brook Lopez because the team wants it, but they're still pressuring the ball with like Malik Beasley. And Bobby Portis, I mean, it's just strange decision-making uh, from a defensive standpoint. Uh, offensively, like, the lack of Giannis Dame pick-and-rolls is weird. Like, that specifically is the disappointment here. Like, those two guys have yet to develop a, a lot of chemistry, maybe over the course of time that they will. But whether it's, whether it's Adrian Griffin's unwillingness to have them run a ton of pick-and-rolls and dribble handoffs together, or whether it's Giannis's unwillingness to, to do those things as a screener, uh, it remains to be seen, but I hope over the, over the course of time that they really ramp that up because they barely did it at all in the fourth quarter as their lead was trickling away from the Bulls or in overtime tonight. Uh, I just think that there's you know some solutions there, and even like you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, Andre Jackson. Like they need point of attack defense. He's a really good point of attack defender. I'd love to see him get an opportunity, but if he does get an opportunity, I'm not 
completely sold that Adrian Griffin is going to have him in a creative offensive role like he should be as a screener, as a guy in the dunker spot, as a cutter. Like I think Jackson could add a flair to that half-court offense that doesn't really have. And I mean, ultimately, Adrian Griffin's got a lot to prove over the course of the season because it's been a really bad start for him at head coach, despite the fact that they're 13 and six. That's why that we fact. want, man. That's why we want to see Celtics Bucks in, in like I a agree. stakes Missoula, next week. The disappointment of last season versus Adrian Griffin, <laughs> <laughs> the rookie head coach. I mean, that's what happens when you hire rookie head coaches, right? Yep. It's a risk. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you get the best coach in the league. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes, like you hire a guy who's gotten opportunities in the past, they're the same exact guy they've always been. Sometimes they're like Mike Brown, where they come back and they are a brand new head coach. They got all these different ideas. They learn from all their mistakes, and they are now one of the best coaches in basketball. Sometimes, like it's just it's so random sometimes. Um, but I, I, I we'll see what happens with Adrian Griffin. But it's a really bad start. You're going to bed now. Your time for bed. So you're feeling happy now after the Cowboys win. Feeling happy yeah, after yeah, a little feel- NBA talk. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Um, look, I got to get used to staying up late, especially if I'm going to be heading up to Vegas next Ooh, week. The time baby. change is going to wear coming, me out. Chris? Are you coming? Yeah, I'll be out there. Good. I know. I'll see you Wednesday night. Wednesday I'll night. Be a, I'll be out there. We got to record on Monday night. Yeah, yeah. Mon- Monday After, night. Yeah. I guess we'll have two of the two of the teams set by Monday night. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, we got to do the late recording Monday, so you'll be having some late nights. And then Wednesday night, we got a live show. It's going to be me and you. And then the real ones, Logan and Raja, a little crossover opening for Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosilla. It's going to be awesome. You know who else? I get there's going to be a bunch of people out there. Really? Who else is out there? I don't know. Sounds any like details. It sounds like there's going to be. Uh, I think. I think media is about. To, I think. The, or, I mean, the NBA and everybody's about to descend. There'll probably be somebody I could meet up with that could get my damn lead pass fixed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll hope. Uh, all right. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for sure. Uh, it is always a pleasure. Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you Monday night. Have a good weekend. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call one 800 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 hope NY or text hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. 
You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 